Welcome now, believe it or not, this is our fourth week. And so this is the last installment of our Making It Last Marriage series. And uh, we have been really, really excited about it because uh, you know, God has really been speaking to some folks and helping some marriages, and that's what this is all about. So we really have been having a conversation. So we never did this before, and so, but we really wanted uh, to really let you in so that you could really begin to uh, just kind of see how people deal with their day-to-day uh, -day issues as a couple. And so it's been, been really, really important to us, and we want to continue with that today. We're going to continue in the same vein that we have. If anybody have questions out there, I think my daughter Destiny, she has a microphone. Destiny, raise your hand. So if you have any questions uh, during the conversation, simply raise your hand. We want this, we want you guys to engage. Uh, so if you're sitting here, you got kids, you, this, this is really going to help you. But maybe you're sitting here, you don't have kids, but you maybe have grandkids, or you know somebody that's really struggling with their kids. So, uh, so ask questions. We want you to, we want you to, uh, you know, just to, uh, to ask questions and to uh, just be uh, open and be inquisitive. We want the Holy Spirit to really help us. Um, so, just by way of recap, for those who may have uh, haven't been here before or, or just uh, need to be caught up, the first week we defined the role of a husband and wife in the marriage. And we talked about in that discussion. We talked about the importance of understanding God's design for the marriage. And anything that works according to God's design is going to function at an optimum. So that's really, really important to understand that. And then we had a conversation about conflict in the marriage. That was a very popular series. Uh, in fact, they got the most uh, hits as far as views on YouTube as, as people uh, really wanted to know how to deal with conflict uh, in marriage. And so we talked about um, how that you know, just healthy marriages are not marriages that are without conflict. Healthy marriages do have conflict. They just know how to resolve them. So there's a way to do that. And so we talked about that. And we also uh, talked last week, Ray and Giselle uh, had a conversation about effective communication in the marriage. And so how do we communicate in a way that will build each other up and that will, and so that we can live in harmony and peace? And so uh, Ray Giselle did an excellent job with that. As always, if you want to view any of those uh, videos, you can visit our Facebook uh, page or you can go to our YouTube channel and you can subscribe to Foundation Church and there you'll find uh, all of our videos. So today we're going to continue with the final installment of our series, uh, How to Raise Great Children in the Context of the Marriage. And so we're going to be talking about kids today. And uh, how many know they're always a challenge? And so uh, we're going to have this discussion with Ray and Giselle Shields. So come on, give them a hand as they are back here today. All right. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great, doing awesome. Um, so let's just, uh, I guess, let's bring everybody up to speed. So um, you guys are married now for a lot of years. <laughs> I can give them a list of numbers. 17. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and so, and tell us how many kids you have in their names. We have a total of four kids, um, starting from the oldest. We have Romantra, Indonesia, Raymond, and Great, great. So you guys are obviously very busy. Uh, and so, yeah. And I'll add one more. Uh, our oldest has 
our oldest, um, she's the point in life where she has went away to college, um, yeah. married her, her high school and college sweetheart. Wow. And now we have a granddaughter. So I will mention our granddaughter, Annalise, which is who's taking Oh my goodness, great guys you have. So we're talking to a couple that have a lot of experience with dealing with children, obviously. Because this is going to be really, really good. So y'all need to really listen. This is going to be great. And so um, let's kind of jump right into it a little bit. So I got some questions I want to ask them. What I want to start off is by asking, um, what has surprised you most about raising children with all your experience that you think that? What has been the biggest surprise? So I'll, I'll start with that. For me, the biggest surprise is um, the different personalities they all Because you know, when you when you start with your first one, you think of all you imagine the things you want to do with your child, and um, how they're going to be obedient to you, and how they can listen to yes, mommy, and yes, daddy. But in reality, they have their own personality. And that's um, what I call, um, it's not a joke, but it's like God's biggest joke because he puts you in that means to patience and understanding and to rely on And for me, I, I, I'd say the biggest surprise for me in being a parent is how much I remind myself, now that I'm old, of my own parents. And when I was growing up, I said, I don't, I don't I've never, parent like my parents, and I take so much of what they did and how they laid the foundation for me, I use today for my own kids. That, that's amazing, uh, you know, because I can remember having those conversations myself, where, like, I just can't wait till I get out of this house, and I would never be those things, and you find yourself doing exactly the same thing. So you, you said something I think that is, is, is key, particularly when you're dealing with multiple kids, because, you know, we have four kids, and and it's always a challenge uh, to try and uh, navigate the different personalities because we can't raise them all the same. And uh, and, I, and I noticed that your kids uh, are very, very, um, for those who don't know, the Shields are, you know, since they've come to our, our family, uh, they are just a wonderful family. They're servants, they love God. But, but not only do they serve, but their children serve in ministry. And we see them being just a, a, a wonderful example of, of what it's like to be a parent. And, and their kids are, are just amazing. You guys have done an amazing job. But so but we're talking about raising godly children, which is tough because we obviously live in an ungodly world. Uh, we live in a world where everything that we're trying to convey to our kids are being challenged with an opposite perspective. And so so what does it mean when you think about raising godly children in this generation? What does it mean to, to raise a godly children? Well, I want to start off with reading something um, to you on the perspective of that. Um, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. It's, uh, this one is the NIV version. Uh, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly love children, too, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So, it, it, just reading that, it, what it reads is we have to follow God first and be that example. 
in order for our kids to understand and follow and be that example also. We have to be that um, sacrifice, you know, give ourselves to God the same way that he gave his son. And the same way we have to, you know, help our kids understand that mm -hmm. so they could have an understanding how to love God and be appreciative of that. Jesus Christ gave his life for us too. And be that sacrifice. So, so when you, have you ever had a situation where um, your kids come home and they say something like such and such is going and such and such and they and they want to do it and they can't figure out why? And so how do you deal with situations like that? So you got you got you're trying to obviously you, you want to set a godly atmosphere and uh, but but the kids come home and telling you about well why can't I because such and such? So how do you how do you how do you answer that? How do you engage that? First, let me go to my kids. Has that, has that ever happened? <laughs> 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 you say one, one. one time. Only one. Uh, the way we handle it is a, a lot of, um, in our parenting style, we try to show our kids perspective. Because, you know, the Bible is it's, it's the Word of God, and it's addresses every single situation there is. There's no situation in the Bible that's not addressed. So if one of my kids came home and said such and such is doing such and such, I'd ask them, what, how does that fit into what God says? What does, how does that fit into the Word? And also, touch back on what my wife said, we, a lot of it is an expression of love. Is doing that an expression of love or how do you see love in, within that particular action or situation or, or things of that nature. So that, that's how we tend to handle it. And we also have them look long term. Say, uh, okay, if this, if you do this now, does that have any impact further down the road for you? And, and what's its benefit? Wonderful. So you said something there I think is important. I just wanted to highlight it. You mentioned, you know, how does it fit into God's word? So how important is it is, uh, is it is, pardon me, is, how, how important is it uh, to have a strong biblical foundation and, and uh, you know, as a couple in trying to convey that to you kids? How important is that to you guys as far as raising the it's, it's one of the foundations of raising godly children. Um, because the more they the more they have the word, the more they study the word and know the word for themselves, not just what mom and dad says, the better they equipped they will be to go out into the world. Mm -hmm. um, we watched a video we, during offering, they talked about the preacher talked about preparing the kids, preparing his kids for the world as it is today. Mm -hmm. And now sheltering them. So when they go out, eventually we have to release our kids. They become adults. They, they're released and they have God's covering. They have the full armor on and they have to go out. The word is that. It's part of that armor. Um, and the way we do that for our kids, we do things like... Um, we have uh, family meetings. Um, and it's in the form of Bible stuff. But at the same time, it's not just mom and dad saying you know, it's what we say, we want the kids involved. We want to hear their opinions. We want to hear where, where they're at and what they understand. 
So that's just one example. Um, I think recently to help them memorize verses, you know, we have dish day, hey, write, write, write a scripture up there. And it can be, and I think the most funniest one was uh, Genesis 1 1. <laughs> and our son wrote that, and I was like thinking, because, you know, he's like in the beginning, yeah. That's the most, you can expect Alan to do that, the youngest one, but the oldest one was like, it's up there. But it is a scripture, and maybe it means something for him, versus the very first one that he wrote. Um, it was, um, thou sh if, you know, if, if you do not love your brother, then you are a murderer. And that was powerful. So, it, 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 it helps me see and understand that they are going in the right direction and understanding the word they're reading the Bibles, or they doing some type of research to the point to come up with something like that. If you, if you don't love or you hate your brother, you are a murderer. And he's not just talking about brother, he's talking about brother and sister, or just someone. If you hate them, you don't, you don't love them, you are actually a murderer. And, you know, to see that he understands that word murder don't mean physically um, murdering someone, but just the way you treat them is with hate. It's such, it's such, it's so deep to, you know, where, to me, God shows me that it, it's something that he's working in him or um, he's teaching him the word, period. So he's preparing him for, you know, when he goes out into the world, what someone says, what someone does, he knows what is wrong or right or how to deal with it and how to Wait, wait, you mentioned this great. So you mentioned something about, yeah, well, I think you did you mentioned something about meetings. Now, we live in busy, busy Northern Virginia, right? Everybody knows how busy Northern Virginia is, traffic is outrageous, uh, you know, here. And if you, if you happen to work up in Florida, like I do, it's, just, it's tough because you're getting home late, you're getting up like, some of us get up at ungodly hours, four in the morning, some of us three. So how in the world because this is this is this is something that I found to challenge my own life. Uh, you know, I'm a pastor, but uh, it, but it's something that that is a challenge because the, you know the way that um, things work here it is so hard to get the time in to have the meetings. And so I, I, I guess a couple questions. So when you say meetings, kind of define what that meeting is, and then if you can talk a little bit about. Um, what does a devotional, you know, what does devotional uh, uh, family time, what does that look like for the Shields? So, so in terms of meeting, um, we have formal and informal meetings. Like we have a family meeting, which is a set time, and we all get together. Um, in that meeting, we would talk about uh, a lot of times we start off by talking about whatever you preached about that particular day. And we talk to the kids about what they may have taken from that sermon. And then we expand on it and see which direction the spirit leads us. And we use that as a starting point. Also it can be informal. For example, um, last week their grandparents were in town. And we were at Ruby Tuesday. And we conversation took place about different things in the Bible about diet and things of that nature. And those are, we take advantage of those opportunities because it's not, like you say, that formal time. Any opportunity, any opportunity that you see to, to bring it back to God's word 
we try to take advantage of that. So it's, it's a matter of being very intentional about it, is what I would stress. Um, in terms of devotional time, most of that is spent, we spend time in the Word. Sometimes we may have an individual put together uh, a devotion, and then we would, a lot of times, us praying about, praying for each other, praying for the family, praying that God keeps us in one. Generally, our main focus and focus of love. That when we step out the door, we represent God in the, in the right way and then we demonstrate love to our, our brothers and sisters and our neighbors. So the most important thing after the meeting, we always hug each other. I mean, at the beginning when we started this, the siblings didn't want to hug each other, they didn't want to, you know, touch, you know. But at the time, it's not forced on, but they just know that this is like a covenant for us, for our family. When no matter how much you didn't like what you did, you know, yesterday or going to do tomorrow, you still have to understand that in the end you have to forgive and move on and go ahead and hug. Everybody's hug. So that worked because they love each other and they're like, I hate you, but I love you. And then they turn and hug each other. So, you know, I've seen that grow with our kids where, you know, maybe the female don't want to share the bathroom with the males or what. And they grew out of that as we had more and more meetings, we, we noticed a change. You know, they appreciate each other more. They learn to talk to each other better. They know how to interact with each other um, in politeness, mostly <laughs> politeness. But, um, they know how to surpass their problems and reform because they understand that this is my brother, I love him, this is part of the family. I don't want anyone to hurt him. So. And that, that's probably because of the tone that you guys set. Um, you know, uh, so I, I hear I hear in part when you say that phone meetings and informal meetings. So it seems like to me that, and then you guys tell me if I'm, if I'm thinking the right way here, but Teaching is kind of really always going on. Um, you know, it's always, yeah, every moment is what I'm hearing uh, that you guys just use it to really to just bring home the principles of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And, and I say yes, teach, teaching is 24 7 because we need to be a model for our kids. Um, we need to model. It's like Jesus was a model for us. We need to be that model for um, our children. And one of, one of the things that a lot of times that we run into as the Christian parents, sometimes we, I probably can't articulate this in a proper manner, so I'm just gonna say it in a funny manner. Shaq used to say something, don't fake the funk on a nasty dump. Don't fake the funk. Don't fake the funk on a nasty dunk. So a lot of times as Christians, we we go back and look at our life. We we're interacting with our kids. We give the kids the perception we were just a perfect child. You know, when I was a baby, I never messed my diapers and and and, and I was just a perfect model child. And I just sat in my room and I read my Bible and then I have cheese and cracker every once in a while. And we get that kind of perception, like we never make a mistake and we don't understand when they're going through certain things. So that's not truly what you, I believe, you should model for your child. Because Jesus told us, you know, that 
none of us are perfect when we make mistakes. So we have to deal with our kids in a manner to show them that same love, that we understand that they're going to go through various things. But we're there to support them, we're there to, sh to, to show them, you know, God has something for your life, has a purpose for your life. And that's what you always bring them back to, regardless of what mistake they may make or what incorrect action they may make. Don't present yourself like you're perfect. Because what that does, that, that causes that wedge between you and the child. Because the child is living in the real world. They can go out and see different things. And they, like, for example, they become a teenager. You start, boys start to like girls. Girls start to like boys. That, that's, they can see that in their, their classmates. And if you're telling them, well, you know, it's a sin to like, to like telling your boys, it's a sin to think about girls, or blah, 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 that's not real life. So it's to be intentional about it, like you said, 24 7, but it's also to be very real about it. I want to, I want to, you just made a good point, which is the other thing you're trying to know Keep saying, you know, be real. Because in, in the Christian world, I've been a Christian now for some 20, 26 years. But one of the things that, that that we tend to do is that we isolate our children from the real world. And then and then once they become of age, and I, I've known, like I grew up from, I, I have, you know, pastor uncles, and I've seen a lot of their kids, and, you know, and my relatives, and, and other people I've known, but a lot of times that even the, even the pastor kids, for example, um, because they were kind of sheltered, because we don't want to, and this is a challenge for all the, uh, for all of us as parents, because we don't want our kids to be overexposed or they don't know how to deal with things, but, but at the same time, uh, part of our job as parents is to release them and make sure that they are prepared to deal with the real world and not a make-believe world because we as Christians sometimes, we act like that this is already heaven. This is not. So, so when I hear you say real, I think, I, I think I'm hearing you say, you know, uh, just really helping them to understand, to navigate the various issues that they are confronted with. And we don't want to think that they're confronted with. We want to think that, no, our kids are not. Our kids won't. I guess, well, you know, this is this is just what Christians do. This is how we think. So, um, for us, I think um, sometimes the harsh one with the kids, like that's when I consider lenient. The kids, they're all different. One say he's harsh, I'm more gentle, uh, you know, it's vice versa. But for me, I try to what I tell my kids, especially my daughter, keep it real. Keep it real. And sometimes I don't have a filter. And that filter is not there because I want her to understand this is how a person is going to treat you, you know, when you get out of this house. So I try to prepare her that way. I don't try to baby her too much. I don't try to um, comfort the wrong. So if I see them, like, well, you know, I will destroy it. Hey, that's something that you did, you know.
issues you're facing, or if you went out there and did something wrong, but you know your parents would mind. We're here as guidance. <laughs> so, so, that, so that keeping it real, that keeping it real then works two ways. Yes. Because we want to keep it real, but we want them also to yes. be real with us. And the question exactly. then becomes, are we comfortable enough with allowing our kids, uh, you know, because this is, a, this is another thing, do our kids feel comfortable enough to come and say, Mom, Dad, I did this. I know I shouldn't have, but are, are they comfortable enough? Uh, or, or do you think, you know, how, how important do you think is that? No, no, I didn't. No. He didn't. <laughs> you know? Yeah, didn't. But, <laughs> but at the same time, we have to allow an open door. We have to allow an open door for them to give, the, give them the opportunity to present it to us. And they have to, um, we have to know our kids too. We have to know their limits. We have to know what they can handle and how to save them. So that's the first thing. We have to know how. Um, Know their limits basically, and know how to say to them in a loud way, but at the same time, not, not to fake or be, you know, too nice or too much of their friend. They don't want to hurt their feelings. So sometimes they need their feelings hurt, and that's what builds them up, you know, their confidence to get themselves back up and say, okay, how could I do this? Or you can give them suggestions. So at least you, at least they know that we are here for them as parents. As guidance, as teachers, you know, and sense of direction. And I'll say this, each, each child is unique and each child has their own different perspective. Um, I'll give this example. When my parents came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I was like around middle school age. And I had, I'm the oldest, I have two younger siblings. If you go back and ask my siblings their perspective, their perspective of how of my parents when they were raising them, their perspectives were each different than my own perspectives. So you have to, like my wife said, you have to know your children. Um, each one has a different communication style in terms of them being open to you. Each one has a different comfort level of being open. Some some kids do things non-verbally for you to pick up on. <laughs> some will speak it out. So each is different. So it just it just takes time to know them and understand their methods. So, um, a perfect example of a white boy. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, to, I, I've heard it before where she said, I'm goofy and then sometimes I'm really, really serious. So she had a birthday. I chauffeured the girls around, and it's three of them. And um, they were in the back seat, they wanted all be in the back seat, but they in the front seat, so they all want to talk. They talk quiet and sometimes they're talking out loud when they hear. So, you know, it's, uh, they're selective of uh, questions or uh, conversation. But it mostly is clean, and I come to know that her parents were very mature, they have a sense of direction, their parents, um, you know, love them, and they know what they want to be, and, you know, maybe wanted to, has not had a really good life. So, when I asked my daughter a question, I feel confident either she's going to give me the ship code answer <laughs> or she's going to keep it real. And on this one, she kept it real because it was deep in her heart. Um, now, 
son, um, Brayden, my son, <laughs> I recall asking him a question about having a girlfriend. And he said no, and he gave me this look like, no, mom, you know. That's a nice conversation. We know the real answer. So it took because I saw I saw you know his friends and he would talk and he would talk towards me and it's a mother's intuition as well as the listening to it. Okay, he kept calling this person name or something. This time I have two girls now and I have to ask this a girlfriend. But the funny thing is, it took a whole year when we go into the other grade. And he started talking, keeping up with the girl. He said, and I, somebody just told me to stop and that. He said, did you have a girl? He said, yeah. I said, but you told me, no, you lied to me. He was like, well, oh. So it just, you know, it's how you handle things. You know, whether it's um, the worst things or the smallest things. And sometimes I think small conversations such as those build up their confidence to, you know, tell you the real shameful Um, so let's kind of shift the conversation a little bit. I want to talk about a couple of things. I want to talk about conflict, um, and I want to talk about discipline. There's two things I want to talk about. So let's take the conflict one first. So let's go perfect marriage. We've already pretty much discussed that. Um, and so when, how do you guys, like, uh, when you're at home, when you're at some disagreements, some conflict between the two of you. Um, how is that measured out as it relates to the kids being in the house? I mean, are they a part of that? Do they watch that? Or do you, do you guys separate, go into a separate uh, situation and, and show more unified front? Or, or, or how do you handle that? We have conflict. If, if you have conflict, I'm assuming you have conflict. Against each other, they'll ask mommy one thing, 
and never, or they, they already know dad said something, nobody now asked the other parent. And so one of the things that, that we have discovered, you know, Peggy and I, is, um, is just showing, you know, the unified front between the two of us, meaning that um, how we communicate to each other as a husband and wife couple. Um, and, and what are we sending to the kids? I think it's good to let the kids, like you said, I think the, the conflict thing, letting them see how to deal with things. I mean, you got to be careful with that because because they can't ever see us. Because my kids, I just tell you, my kids, about the, you know, if they think what's going to happen, they will tell you. You can go and ask them. But at any time, if mommy is, you know, if mommy is ever disrespected, my son will tell you, if, if I hear a tone that is not, uh, respectful of my wife, um, my kids go about it. Um, and, you know, and so what, what we discovered is important is trying to make sure that uh, that we have that unified front, meaning that um, me, and, me and Peggy are one, or Ray Giselle are one. We may have this, we may have a job, we see that there's a line there. So can, can you add anything to that? I think it's in terms of unified fronts. Um, we do do things to, to try to reinforce that to our kids. Like a lot of times, uh, because I work from home, I'm home most of the time, so I have probably more of an interaction with the kids. A lot of times the kid would come to me about certain things, uh, that can I do this, 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 and this. And I usually bring it back and say, okay, let me verify it with your mom and then we'll come back to you with an answer to show that we're unified, we're one. So I would discuss things with her and let her know the situation. We make a decision together and then that decision is presented to, to the child. And the same vice versa. <coughs> same vice versa. Um, if one of the kids come to me and ask if they could do something, and I sometimes sense they don't want to go to that. <laughs> And they come to me because they think not we heard that. I'll say yes to everything because I want them to live up to their full potential. Um, I would turn and look like, well, did you ask that? Did you talk to your dad too? And, like, uh, and I can usually tell them they did or if they lied about it and say yes. So in return, I say, kids well. Don't, kids don't lie. Yeah, they don't. They just, <laughs> they just, they just kind of tell us the facts. <laughs> but um, in return, I let them know that, hey, well, let me talk to you dad and you know I'll give you a final position on that. That's great. I think that's I think that's really, really important. Um, so let's talk about because I'm sitting there saying, do we have a question? Yes. Oh, go, I'm oh, sorry. We got a question in the audience. Yeah, watch out, she's a heavy hitter. You have to take the microphone to ask the question. Thank you to give me uh, the chance to speak. Uh, I, I don't know if uh, I did follow you correctly, but uh, my question is to know when there is a conflict in the house, how you guys behave when the kids are there. Okay. So, so, so we're saying conflict, so that's the final. So we. We're not talking about conflict like. No, I know where. I want to eat. I want to eat ice cream. Or, or no, no, no. Really conflict. A real serious conflict. Yes, exactly. Serious conflict. Uh -huh. Okay, so. Got to remember one. Well, for me, 
real, real conflict. We usually don't do that in front of the kids. We have a conversation first, and it's usually, you know, private. We have a room that we go to, um, Ray's office, <laughs> and we, um, we, you know, we pretty much uh, work out our conflicts there. And we don't usually show any huge conflict in front of kids, but that's considered not something. We don't want our kids to see the wrong things being said, or you know, it, it not enough anything for family. It's just like, the wrong, give them the wrong impression. Um, now, another real conflict, more subtle conflict, other than eating out, is more of um, maybe an opinion, and it becomes strong. Like, hey, you're putting him in basketball again, you know? And we, we allow the kids to see that. You know, you put him in basketball, what if he wants to do something different? He asked for basketball. You know, or, <laughs> or say he wants to pick up swimming, golfing, running, you know? So I may, I may tackle that conflict with my husband where he may be headstrong, where he may see some qualities in our kids where he's training him up in that direction. And I may see that he needs to be more diverse in sports. But I always back my husband up. Um, our major conflicts, I think, come before we even have kids. So we resolve that because we have a, a one core understanding that God wants us to not have those type of conflicts in front of our kids. That's not healthy, it's not a godly way, and we have to come to what we're doing. So what I, what, I, what I hear you saying is that most uh, the, the marriage comes first, and you know I was I was uh, I like to think of it this way as far as that you know you know we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I like to think of you know we have within the family we have um, we have God, um, the marriage, and the kids in that order uh, because I, I've seen times where where, where the but uh, well, a parent will put the kids before the marriage. And that is a disaster. In a lot of cases, I've seen that be a disaster simply because it, it provides less stability for the kids. And the kids see that. And then, then I think it causes more conflict within the marriage. And I think the best thing we can give the kids is a strong foundation of, of a marriage. Um, I mean, when God can go back to Genesis, God first created the husband and wife first. And, and the kids came after the fact. So, um, did, did you have something you want to say to that way? I was, I was going to say this, because um, this is one of those subjects where I've I had um, a lot of discussion with other individuals about, uh, you know, if we're being real I mean, in our society, there's a lot of people who are um, maybe getting married for the second time, they have stepkids and things of that nature. And there's a conversation about should you put those kids before your, your spouse? And like the word says, man will come one. So, so you have to have, your spouse has to be above your kids, it's period. If you and your spouse are one, and that one is centered on the love, centered on love, you follow the example of Jesus, love for the kids should come naturally and naturally flow down. If that's not right, um, you're going to have some serious conflicts. I, I'm just, I'll, I'll, I'll say that. And 
and that also sets the foundation for when the kids move out the house. So. That's great. So let's move. Let's move to because uh, we got so much to cover. We got a few minutes here. But, um, so let's, let's move to discipline. Um, so, so when it comes, I grew up in a different era. Um, you know, in my, in my generation, my grandmother used to, you know, we did something wrong. It wasn't, it wasn't unusual. They would make me go get the switch off the tree, and uh, and they would spank me. Uh, you know, and, uh, and you know, so we grew up in a generation that you know we did, uh, you know, discipline. The kids um, uh, and who were disciplined and are spanked in, 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 in that way. So, what is what 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 is your take on that as far as spanking? Because I know there are some parents who say, "I don't think you should ever, under any circumstances, you know, spank a child." And there are some that believe that, but we know uh, the Bible gives us some insight into that. So, um, so you want you guys want to talk about that? So in terms of discipline, you have punitive, um, and then you have non-punitive, of course. Non-punitive is situation is situations where you deal with more in teaching the child. Like I'm gonna teach right now. Hello. Response. He's teaching right now from the stage, his kids. All right, so. Non-punitive is, I'll put an example like this. Let's say you start a new job, and at that new job, they have some internal software, and you have to put a report or do something in some internal software. You've never used it before. You report, your report you see comes out bad, and your boss is yelling and screaming at you, blah, 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 blah. How's that gonna make you feel? It's gonna make you feel, you're not gonna, you're gonna probably be mad. You're probably, gonna, you're probably not gonna enjoy that time or feel very good about your boss. So we, we use non-punitive, which is like talking, teaching, when we're teaching something to our kids. Like if our kids, yeah, like if they crash the car into the tree, and you may take the opportunity to talk to them about, okay, how do we not have a heavy foot? But punitive comes when you've had those discussions with them. So in terms of spanking, my kids have had spankings. If they Considered, if I told them something considerable times, use various methods of trying to teach them and bring them back to where they need to be, and that doesn't resolve. There are there have been opportunities, there have been situations where they've been spanked. I knew that would start the questions. So, so also um, in reverse, we're talking about spanking as you know younger. At a certain age, that spanking goes away. Now it's um, a different form of punishment. Maybe taking away something that they most like. I think our biggest punishment that um, does work is, hey, write the five page report and we'll pick the subject. Yeah, that works very well. Yeah, and it's there. There is a time limit. Yeah. Wow. We have a question from the audience. Yes, but the Bible says, don't. Do not, don't speak, you have, you can spank, spank your child. It's gonna take fullness from him or her. So, if... I mean, I think the scripture you're referring to is where the Bible says that um, 
that uh, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will draw far from it. Exactly, but it depends it depend what the child has done. You can be teaching the child. You teach today, you teach tomorrow, you teach tomorrow again, but he's still doing the same thing. It can happen. At that time, what are you going to do? Well, like I said, Sometimes you have to spend. Yeah, my kid, like again, my kids have been spanked. Um, and, and there's some things that my kids know are non-starters with me. One, number one, is ever disrespecting my wife. Again, we are one. And I'm not trying to embarrass my kids, but there's a situation where I actually picked one up for being disrespectful to my wife. She, 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 she is my queen. God gave her to me, and I need to protect her. So there's some things that, you know, in terms of being spanked, you will get spanked for, like, like I said. And, and you teach and you teach to a certain point, and you try different avenues. Sometimes it's spanking, sometimes it does take spanking. My kids have been spanked in the past. So sometimes you spank, right? Yes. Uh -huh. Yes, correct. That's what, that's what we said. Uh, I think, do we have, Chris, do you have a question? Okay. The, okay. The one that all the way in the back. Good question. As far as parenting goes, since we're talking about spanking, if you do choose that method, what's the proper age to where you would stop spanking your child, and what's the proper age? Sorry. The proper age is when they leave my house. <laughs> that's for him. <laughs> but, wow. But you see, that that's a different style of parenting. Because for me, um, I think for it's been a while since I've. I've never spanked on their um, I think I'd rather lay down the control of punishment, which is doing a report or giving them more chores, you know, because I try to find what hurts them the most. And I poke at that. And my husband does that a lot too. That's, 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 as, a, that's as, a form of, as a form of discipline. Yes. Obviously. Yes. Um, and so I, I think. This is a good, this is really, really good, so I want to capitalize on this because, you know, part of this is that, um, because I know you two, and I know your kids, and and I know how much you guys love your kids, because, and I know they know how much you love them. And so, there, there are two extremes, I think, a lot of times, that I've discovered, is you got some folks, he will go to church, because the Bible is clear on it. People can say the Bible does allow for that. It doesn't mean that we need to exercise that every chance we get. Um, but but I think what you have to you have some people who don't believe in it at all, so their kids are just a wreck. They just let the kids do whatever they want. And then you have you have you have some that overdo it, like they spank for everything. So it becomes that spanking becomes abuse. And so I think there's a fine line there. And I think for myself, uh, you know, what we have always tried to do is to spank when there is clear rebellion. Um, you know, like, uh, if it's a situation where they have to know, um, or I'm teaching, like you said earlier, that's one thing. But if it's like, well, I'm calculating this, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to make a decision that I'm just not going to do it. And at that point, it is clear, it's on now, because basically I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm making a choice, and I think for every choice, there needs to be a consequence, whether it's a spanking or, or something, but, but or something else. But what I, what I have discovered is that parents who have that route, and a lot of times, 
you know, I got a dear relative who loves God, and she's a minister. And I would go, I would stop there. And she will not lay a hand on her child because she feels that she was abused because somebody did it overly. And so there's a, there's a fine line between abuse and discipline. And, um, you know, and I, and I think, and I think that uh, we have to be very careful with that, in particular nowadays with, with our society. And it's, I think it's safe to say that our generation do not, is kind of moving toward no hands on and what, you know, no corporal punishment at all. And, and again, it, it, a lot of it goes back to the child itself. You need to know the child. Um, and, and I'll say this. For us, spanking is not the first option. It it's never, has never been the first option. Uh, uh, the kids, they, again, our kids, we take it from a standpoint of trying to help them plan out long term. And we talk to them about a lot of things. But if it comes to that point, like you say, where there's something that's direct, um, you don't need to what, to what, our, to what our stance are or what they've been instructed to do in that situation. And when, and when I say they can be spanked the time they leave my house, I say that not saying that I'm going to have my kids at 20 years old in my house spanking them, but saying that to, to understand that. And my kids, two of my kids are present here to make sure they understand that I have a responsibility to make, do everything I can to make sure they are prepared for what they face when they hit that door. When they hit that door and they're out there on their own, because at a certain point, I have to release them. Because what I'm looking for long term for them, they're my kids, but what I'm looking, what we're looking forward to them is to one day be my brothers and sisters in Christ, which they already are now, because they're because they're, they're all saved. But I want them to go out there and, and live that, live life, let their, light, let their light shine. And in order to do that, to live in the real world, you have to be equipped. So if I'm hard on, if I'm hard on them at home, it's to prepare them for what's really out there. And I tell my kids all the time that everybody who smiles at you is not your friend. Everybody you see in church is your friend. Everybody who hugs you in church and different things. I mean, not go too deep, but you know, there are different things out there, and you have to be you have to be mindful of that. And uh, we try to prepare our kids the best way using multiple facets and multiple different techniques and methods. Yes, and yeah, like my husband says, family is usually the very, very last. I mean, but I, I would say. I can't even remember the last time our kids got spanked. <laughs> but um, one thing we would never, and I'll just say this out to the congregation, one thing for anyone who do believe in that type of punishment, spanking, that is mentioned in the Bible, we don't want it to go too far to provoke a child. And that's where Pastor Bill was talking about, you know, um, spanking so much when you feel like you can't stop it, that is abuse. And, you know, it's actually in the Bible, it posts that it's provoking the child to anger because they could turn to hate you or they could turn to not understanding you, you know, beyond a certain point. So, so, so I think I'm hearing you, and this is a good point, but so I think I'm hearing you saying is that if you're going to do that, it needs to be purposeful, it needs to be, it needs to be perfect, 
things need to be done in a way that the child always knows that love is at the forefront. And one of the things that, you know, I try, my, my wife and I try to model with our kids is not to be angry. And, and you know, I remember in, in Jeremiah's, well, I say my son's name, Jeremiah used to hate the worst because he was, Jeremiah's, you know, he was getting spanked again, had spankings in years, but, but Jeremiah would get, uh, he would get angry, you know, he would get, he gets angry, he just cries. And, uh, or he gets, you know, hurt. So I, I gave him a, a spanking once. And, uh, and after I spanked him, I always sit and talk, and I give him a hug, and I explain to him why I did. And he was just kind of this big old crocodile. He is, you know, he just, like, boom, he got straight, you know, straight look on his face, real big tears. And, but, it was always, the, the idea behind that was, I don't want to, I, I hated it more than they did. Because, and there was sometimes I had to do it because I said I would. If they were, and so you have to, so you have to follow, so have to follow through. Yeah. And, but, but it was, but, but the thing that I think, and I think we should end that, that part of it with this, I think the most important part of it is, God has a design for how we do everything in, in our kids. And I think, to me, that in it, God, since he's a creator, and, and that is, you know, one of the things that the Bible has, 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 has told us to do in situations where it's warranted. Um, and I think that to disregard that, I think, like we've been talking about the entire time, we're going to the Bible for direction. The Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Sometimes they just need to be corrected in, in a way. Uh, with a rod, if you look at the rod up in the Greek, the Hebrew, and every kind of language, it, it, you know, it's, it's an object. Uh, but uh, but it's not something that we do. We don't subscribe to abuse or something. We certainly say that, that that's not what we're talking about here for our audience. Uh, any other questions with regards to that before we get closest? Um, all right, so um, let's end this on a lighter note. So, we talked about, I think, the most important thing that we're trying to do as parents is, is everything we talked about is really about preparing them for when they leave our house um, so that they can stand on their own two feet, be able to take care of themselves. And I know it's the goal of every parent, you know, in here, and, and probably most folks that are, are listening and watching uh, through other means, is that they want their kids uh, most importantly, uh, you know, I, I think some things are caught rather than taught. So, how do you, how do you, how do you model? You know, we talk about the Bible, for example. Um, you know, how do we, how, how do we, how do we get that to them in a way that that they internalize it, they personalize it? Um, what is the best method of teaching? Thing in terms of kids understanding um, God and what God, what God expects and wants in marriage, but as far as raising our kids, I would I would not necessarily it's the best mess, best method. Um, we do a lot of different things. Um, one of the ways we one of the things we do was I said I think I mentioned before we're very intentional about what. And asking our kids and understanding what they want to do in life and where they want to be and where they see God leading them. And we take that and from that we help them develop ways to get to where they see God leading them in life. And also we model different things through our own walk in 
would you say that's the most important part? Is that because you can come to church, mm -hmm. be really active in church, and do all the right things, but if you're not doing those things, what kind of effect does that have as far as that kids see? It's, it, that would definitely comes a contradiction because they're seeing one thing on Sunday, something different on Monday. Exactly. So just modeling walking out is definitely a, a, just a great model for kids. Along with that, there's a lot of other different things that you have to have to deal with. Of course, that comes by knowing you. The more you know your child, the more you know what models is. Also, the more they grow, you have to grow with them too. Um, take for example, kids um, have